Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. God grant us the grace to trust Him more than we do. And I appreciate all the singing this morning. Appreciate how great Thou art. That just thinking one day I'll get to bow before Him and say, My God, how great Thou art. He's been good to me. Far better than I've ever been to Him. Even when I fail Him, He's good to me. I read something the other day, and I never really thought about it, but it said God expects you to fail far more than you expect it yourself. And He does. He knows that we're human and we're going to fail, but that doesn't make Him love us any less, does it? He's a good, gracious, merciful God. Um, Anything on your heart this morning? That's right. That's right. Miracles do happen. And uh, certainly anybody that's been... Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm glad God holds the thread of life. And there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says he... And it's talking about the nation of Israel. It's in Ezekiel chapter 16, I think. He said, I walked by and saw you there just polluted in your own blood, and I said, do you live? I'm glad God can do that. I'm glad He can do it to somebody who's fixing to depart this world and say, no, 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 you're going to live. And I'm glad that He can do that in somebody that's dead in sin and just pass by and say, live, and life comes into that soul. He's a gracious God. Um, I'm not going to preach, but I'm going to read a few verses found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Very familiar for this type of service. And uh, there's been a, been a thought, um, and it, it'll have to wait till maybe next week, or maybe the Lord will send it on to another man of God, but, but I'm not going to preach that today. Um, but you pray for us as I read a few verses of Scripture. And we're just going to talk about what we're fixing to, to do here. And I won't keep you. I know we've got a busy day and, a, and night service and, and it'll take a while to get through the Lord's Supper. But I do want to say a few things to get us in the right frame of mind. I appreciate what I can feel in my heart. I appreciate the Spirit of the Lord being present with us. That's been my, my desire. Just I think I told you a week or two ago just that He would open up the windows of heaven and just begin to pour Himself out upon us. He's done that this morning. And I can feel His presence. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'm going to read verse 2 and then skip down to 17. Um, Verse number 2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. That's what we're fixing to do here is keep an ordinance. We have two ordinances as Baptists and that is baptism and the Lord's Supper. Not, not anymore. Those two were the things that, that Jesus instituted by His church. And let me stop and say this. If you're here today and I know there are some that are here today because you've given... Maybe not publicly, but you've given me your testimony. Um, You need to be baptized. It is absolutely a commandment of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul says it here, keep the ordinances. 
as I uh, have delivered them to you. So, um, I don't know today what hinders a person from being baptized. It used to be um, that when a person got saved, they would just get baptized. That's the way it was. Amen. That's the way it was at the day of Pentecost when Peter preached and they, the, the, the people were pricked in their heart and they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, calling upon the name of the Lord and washing all your sins away. It's not the water that washes your sins away. It's the blood that washes your sins away. But the water then becomes a symbol, according to Romans chapter number 6, that, that as Jesus Christ died and He was buried, and we think about somebody being buried today, they are placed beneath the ground. In other words, the dirt is on top of them and they are completely buried. That's what baptism represents. Amen. It is the complete immersion, not a sprinkling, not, a, not anything to do with that, but it is a complete immersion. And what that represents is that you have been buried, that you have died to this world, and as Jesus raised again to a newness of life, when you come out of the watery grave, it is a representation, uh, it is an outward symbol of an inward change. Amen. And so, if you've not been baptized, you are not, uh, you are not in, uh, I, I'm not going to say you're not saved, that would be silly of me to say that, uh, but you're not in the greatest fellowship with the Lord until you follow Him in baptism. Again, that's one of the things that when He ascended, He wanted His disciples, that first church that Brother Randy preached about last Sunday, He, he had gathered His apostles, gathered His disciples, and He told them and instructed them to go and go and evangelize, to go and go and teach all nations, preach to them, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have not done that, that is the very first thing uh, when you get saved. You are instructed by Him uh, to follow Him in baptism. Uh, that came from John the Baptist who had the authority to baptize. Now that authority resides with the Lord's church. And, and that's the only people that have the authority is the church of the living God to baptize. But Paul says... Keep these ordinances as I delivered them to you. And now we get down to verse 17. He says, Now in this I declare unto you, uh, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So what he's saying here is when you come together to the Lord's Supper, that there be no divisions. There was a division in this church at Corinth, and and uh, and Paul goes on to say, I partly believe it, uh, because he had, he had heard uh, rumors and he had heard of heresies coming into the church. In other words, broken into different factions, whether that be rich or poor or whatever that it might be, there was a division there. And he's urging them before you partake of this supper, put all divisions away that we are all on equal footing at the foot of the cross. And he says, when you come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating every one taketh before another his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. 
What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So what the people had had uh, started doing in this church apparently is making a... Uh, in essence, it was making a mockery of the Lord's Supper for they had made it into... Uh, they had love feasts and agape feasts and things in that in those days and they were bringing that feast in and mingling it with the Lord's Supper. And in so doing, that they, uh, they, they would bring of what they had, sort of what we would think of as a potluck, and, and the rich would bring the food, and they would eat it all, and the poor wouldn't have any left. And, and so he's saying, you're taking before another his own supper. And, and so they had begun to make a mockery uh, of the Lord's Supper. And I said it a while ago, and I mean what I say. This is one of the most holy things that the church of the living God can or will ever do is partake of the Lord's Supper. And now Paul begins to, uh, begins to bring this message home. He said, I have received of the Lord. In other words, Paul didn't receive this revelation from the disciples. Uh, matter of fact, the Gospels were not recorded and written at the time that Paul wrote this, I don't believe. And so... So this is the first instruction. And Paul said, I received it of the Lord. The Lord gave direct revelation unto the Apostle Paul. Paul wasn't present uh, when the Lord instituted His Supper, but He revealed it to Paul exactly how this was to be handled. And so Paul is bringing them out of that state of worldliness and out of that state of a feast that they were having out of that state of, of men that were even drunken coming to the Lord's table. Now let me say this, before you come to the Lord's table, you need to pray that sin get out of your life. I was thinking on the way down here this morning that we uh, we at, at the pharmacies that I've worked at have, have printers, and I don't know why it came to me this way, but... But, but if you don't take an alcohol pad and clean those every so often, uh, they just get gummed up with the, with the sticky from the labels. And, and so a lot of people's lives, it's easy to get gummed up. And, and that's why we need to pray daily and ask God to take the sin out of our life. You cannot rightly partake of this supper with sin in your life. You can't do it. So he's and he goes on to say to examine yourselves and and I'll get to that in a minute. But he's he's bringing them out of this state of drunkenness and revelry and feasting, and he's bringing it down to what really it was intended to be. And he said, "I've received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you." So this wasn't the first time that he had told the people about the Lord's supper. He said, "I've already once delivered it to you." He said that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And there's where it begins to ring home. He's wanting the people to understand that, that this was instituted in the twilight, in the very night that they were going to come and take Jesus Christ and that they were going to take Him and they come out against Him and it was, it was His friend that betrayed Him. You think about that. Judas was at that supper. He said, one of you shall betray Me. And they began to say, Lord, is it Me? Lord, is it Me? And He said, it's to He whom I give the sop when I've dipped it. 
And he, he dipped us up and he gave it to Judas and Judas left and he went out. Uh, then the Lord instituted His Supper. And at this Supper, he, uh, and this is what Paul is trying to say, that it is a, uh, that it is a thing to be entered into uh, with, with all seriousness of mind and seriousness of heart uh, that we shouldn't have anything of this world. I know the deceiver. I know how he works. I know how he operates. He will try to get your mind on what you're going to have for supper or, or the work week. As you come to the Lord's table this morning, uh, it's to be uh, nothing on your heart, nothing on your mind, except uh, the body and the blood and the crucifixion of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. That the bread is separate from the wine. Why is that important, preacher? It's because the blood was poured out of His body. And so when flesh and blood separate, there is a separation of soul from body. And He wants you to understand that's exactly what was fixing to take place to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Though a bone of His was not broken, His body was broken. His body and His spirit was broken as He bared His back to the smiters and He bared His cheek to those who plucked the beard off of His face as they spit upon Him and as they, they beat upon Him as they placed the crown of thorns upon the blessed Savior's head. His body was broken. And that's what He's saying to do this in remembrance of Me. And do you know what He's saying there? He's saying, he's saying to do it because you remember me. But I believe he's also saying something far greater. For he knew how our memories would be as human. He knew that eventually over the course of time, we would begin to forget. We would begin to put it out of our mind, out of the forefront of our mind. Even in the houses of God, we come to worship. But, but, but we not only preach Christ, we preach Christ crucified. That's a big distinction. And what he's saying here is I don't want you to forget. It would be, it would be on everybody's heart uh, to think at the time of your departure uh, that you wouldn't want your loved ones, those whom you had walked with and talked with, those who you, you had eaten supper with, you don't want them to forget you. You want them to remember you. And I believe that's what he's saying here. Lest ye forget all that's about to happen to me. He said, I want you to do this because you remember. And he said, I also, I'm in my opinion, I'm wanting you to do this so that you will always remember. Brothers and sisters, today, what you're about to partake of goes back 2,000 years. What you're about to do, 
has been done in every generation uh, since the Lord instituted His church and His supper. The ranks of men and women uh, that you join in is an unbroken chain of succession through baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, those two holy and sacred ordinances uh, that, uh, that He said, uh, do this, were not ever commanded. We've got Christmas coming up next month. I don't think there's anything wrong with celebrating the birth of the Son of God and the birth of the God-Man. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's good. I think it's good at Easter when we celebrate His resurrection. But as far as from the lips of Jesus Himself, the only thing He absolutely commanded us to remember was His death. It was his death. It wasn't his. It wasn't his. It wasn't his teachings. Certainly, we should remember those. It wasn't the healing. He never said remember the healing, but he said this: do in remembrance of me. And then it says he, after the same manner, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, "This in this cup is the new testament in my blood." This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. There are some religions today that deny the cup. They'll give the bread, but they deny the cup to their what they call laity. Uh, that is not biblical. Uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ wants every follower, every baptized believer, uh, to come and drink of the blood. And, and some religions teach that it's transubstantiation. You say, preacher, what is that? They teach that this bread and this wine actually turn into the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that is a hearsay and a damnable hearsay in my opinion. What they are though are symbols of the broken body and the blood, uh, that, that when He was crucified and the blood flowed out, now the blood is separate from the body. And it's the blood that is the New Testament. And that word testament means it's a covenant. Uh, that covenant has now been ratified. It has been signed and sealed by both parties. It's been signed by God the Father and it's been signed by His Son uh, standing as a representation of sinful man. Uh, so man and God have come together through a blood covenant that nothing or nobody can ever take away. And He's saying to do this in remembrance of Me. And He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death. I'm telling you today, without a crucified Christ, there is no Christ. Without a crucified Savior, there is nobody to save you. He had to be crucified. It was foreordained from of old that He had to suffer. And I can imagine His disciples as they sat in the upper room that night 
They were looking through a glass darkly. Even today, 2,000 years later, we are still looking through a glass darkly. Not yet seeing all, but seeing enough. But when He instituted that, His disciples had no idea it would be one of the very last things He ever said to them. And He wanted them to be sure to do this in remembrance of Me. We see at Pentecost, after those 3,000 were baptized and joined into the church, they were baptized into that local body. And then it said, they forsook not the breaking of bread. Before you come to this table, you must be born again. Before you come to this table, you must be baptized. And before you come to this table, you must take with all gravity and sincerity that what you're about to do is partake of the blood and the body symbolically of a dying Savior. My friend, if He didn't die the birth and the resurrection, there would be no resurrection, but He had to have a body in order to die. So there had to be a birth and then there had to be a death to redeem mankind back. And so that's the only thing He commands. Not to remember His birth, though it's good that we do, but He said you're going to show forth the Lord's death. And then He says, till He comes. I like that part. I like that part. He said to the disciples when He instituted it in the upper room, I shall now not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine anymore until the day I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. And what He's saying there is He is going to return. That there is coming a time. And if time should last another two or three thousand years, there'll still be people gathered like we are right now partaking of this bread and taking of this cup and taking of the fruit of the vine and the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there will always be a remnant to do that until He comes back. But rest assured, He is coming back. And they had to wait 4,000 years for Him to come the first time. And we've waited 2,000 years for Him to come again. And though the Lord might, uh, you might say, preacher, it's been thousands of years. But what is 2,000 years to eternity? What is 2,000 years to God who abides not in time, but He abides in His own essence? He is saying, till I come. In other words, I will come again and receive you to myself. And then in that day, I will drink of the fruit of the vine with you in the kingdom of God. Boy, I like that part. Till He come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But so let a man examine himself. And that's where we come to. A lot of people down through the ages have misinterpreted that. It doesn't say that the person is unworthy, for if that were the case, nobody would partake. For we are all unworthy. What he's saying is don't do it in an unworthy manner. That if you're coming to the Lord's table, you must have the sin out of your life. 
if you come to the Lord's table and are thinking about anything other than the crucified Savior and about how He bared His back to the Snyders and how He laid down. Nobody had to force His hands down. I believe, brethren, He just laid down on the cross. And I believe as that old hammer began to ring and to pound the nails into His hands and into His feet, I believe the disciples could see then as they sat at the foot of the cross uh, that this must have been what He meant uh, by my body uh, which is broken and the blood that's being poured out. For now the body and the blood have separated and He's bowed His head and gave up the ghost. That's what we're supposed to think about as we come to the Lord's table. I want to remind you this is a holy thing. He goes on, and I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but he goes on uh, to say, and uh, to tell that people, that church at Corinth, uh, that because some of you have came in an unworthy manner, came in your revelry and your drunkenness and your feasting and not in the right manner, that many are weak and sick among you and many have also died. It's such a serious thing that it says if you drink unworthily or partake of this unworthily, you eat and drink damnation unto your own self. That's pretty stout words. But Paul said this is how that God delivered it to him. And he said, now I'm presenting it to you. To partake of this, again, is to join down through the ages of the church of the living God. To just partake of something that Peter and James and John and Matthew and Bartholomew and Paul and Silas and Timothy and on down through the early church age and down through the dark ages into the great awakening, into the reformation and now all the way here in 2021 and we're still doing it the Lord's way. People have made a mockery of this in today's world. In today's so-called religious world, they've made a mockery of this. My friend, it's a serious thing. For it's the time for us to remember the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I'm thankful for the life that he lived. But it's not just his death. It's that in dying, yet he still lives. When we come to this fellowship, it is taking Christ in us. It's showing forth that he lives inside of us and that he will return for his own. In partaking of this, I'm thankful for his life, for his miracles. But above all else, I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for His death. I'm thankful that He was willing and worthy to be a perfect substitutionary sacrifice for whosoever will repent and believe in His blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I went longer than I expected to, but that's what I've got for you this morning. It is a thing to, uh, to, to take seriously. It is a thing you are welcome if you've been born again. 
And if you've been baptized either into Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church or one of our sister churches that are missionary Baptists of the same faith and order, you are welcome as we partake of this supper to partake. If you're, we do it a little different in a COVID world. Instead of serving you, we let a few at a time come forward. In case you've never done it uh, since we put in these COVID restrictions, we let a few at a time come forward. And, uh, and it's all done in a sanitary manner, prepared, sanitary, and it's all as safe as possible. Uh, but brothers and sisters, this is what he meant when he said, take and eat, this is my body. And drink this, he said, all of it. This is the blood of the new covenant. Boy, I'm thankful for the new covenant, aren't you? Amen. Thankful that it's a blood covenant ratified in heaven itself. He could have ordained this by the hand of angels, but He wanted His people to partake of this in just this manner. At this time, I'm going to ask the deacons, if you would, to come forward.
and beaten, I believe, more than any man has ever been beaten in the history of the world. I don't believe those Roman soldiers kept to the Jewish law of 39 stripes. I believe they beat him and beat him and beat him. He couldn't even carry the cross, but he failed at least the weight of it, and another carried it for him. Brothers and sisters, as we come partake of this bread, remember the broken body of the Son of God. Ordinarily, we do we do them separately, but because of uh, restricting how many people are up here at one time, we do the wine at the same time during COVID protocols. Uh, so, after the bread, the Bible says he again took the wine and he blessed it. Lord, we thank you for this fruit of the vine. Lord, as we think about what it represents, about that precious blood of the darling Son of God. Lord, as they beat him and bruised him, and the crown of thorns was rammed down upon his head and beaten on with a reed, we know that the blood flowed out. We can picture ourselves there by faith, by Mary, the mother of Jesus, by John, by the apostles, beholding the bloody, mangled body of the dying Son of God. Lord, we're ever thankful of the blood covenant that you made with mankind. It's a covenant made by blood that cannot be broken. Glory and hallelujah to God. But it stands for the test of time as a covenant that whosoever will receive me by faith shall be mine. Lord, we thank you for the blood that cleanses according to the word of God. It has to take the blood Without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission. And we thank you that your darling son shed his blood. And when the blood separated from his body, spirit and soul were separated from his body, and he went down into the pains of death, down into the halls and walls of death. We are thankful that three days later, he rose again. And Lord, help us as we do this to remember until he comes. And he took the wine and poured it out. And he said to the disciples, Drink ye all of it. In other words, as I mentioned earlier, there are some religions who forbid the wine of their what they call laity. But he wanted all of them to drink that. All of them to drink that. If, uh, if you are unable, if you are unable to come forward when your pew uh, comes, you raise your hand and one of our deacons will bring it to you. So we don't want anybody left out. So we'll go ahead and, and start with, uh, with the front row here if you want to come and we'll start coming around.